This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the highly anticipated Survivor Series retrospective on the Evan Roberts podcast. I am joined by a guy whose title should be Evan Roberts Retrospective Insider, because that's his main gig now. And that, of course, is Dennis Holden, the host of Dennis Has a Podcast, and now the official Retrospective Insider of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Dennis? This this title belt was unnecessary, but I'll be wearing it proudly. (laughs) I appreciate it. Well, a lot of work is done in these retrospectives. (laughs) All right. So today we will be doing Survivor Series Main Event Retrospective, which means the final match. I want to make that clear. The main event (laughs) is the last match of the night. So you and I, not together, of course, rewatched every main event in the history of Survivor Series, and that takes a commitment. And I appreciate you putting in that kind of work. Uh, I, my hourly salary is uh, way below the the standard minimum wage, but that's okay. I love every second of it. Uh, although we need to talk to the misses at some point, see if she'll let me over, and we can watch <laughs> thirty five hours of wrestling. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The uh, I did a podcast recently, the Mailbag Podcast, and she said, "Hey, can I hang out and watch while you do it?" I said, "Of course." And so she had a good time. It was a live studio audience. And so I said to her, as we were recording this one, do you want to hang out? Like, Dennis isn't going to have a problem. You could just sit on the couch and watch us do this. And she's like, what's the topic again? <laughs> she's like, I'm going to pass on that one. So unfortunately, my wonderful wife is not here for this retrospect. Wrestling is a tough sell. Uh, I yes. met someone new. And you talk when you meet someone new, you talk about things you're passionate about. Right. And it, wrestling just kept coming up. And I'm like, this needs to stop. I can't. I just like, <laughs> AEW, oh, I'm doing uh, Evan's show. It's like, oh, what are you talking about? Wrestling. I need to stop. It's no. becoming an issue. But I understand. Uh, it, it, I can't apologize for it because it, it's given me opportunities. And you know what? For all the other nonsense uh, this is, 33 years of Survivor Series, this is fun as hell. Well, and that's what I want to touch on before we go through all these main events. They have ruined the modern-day Survivor Series event because now it has become this battle of brand power between Raw, SmackDown, NXT. And so what the event has become is not nearly as good as what it was. And I'm not just talking about the late 80s, early 90s. Even into the 2000s, this is a good event. And going back and watching all of these Survivor Series, we both came to the same conclusion. It was almost more enjoyable than going back and watching old WrestleManias and Royal Rumbles. So it's it, it's lower stakes. And you can tell I'm, they, built, they built it into the calendar for another cash grab. And it, it's, it, it's an opportunity to have Hulk Hogan lose by countout. It's an <laughs> opportunity to have the heels go over and not feel as big of a deal. And the point I want to make, the, and I was talking with a couple of friends before before I came in here today, I think Survivor Series is a better barometer of the year of WWE than WrestleMania is. That's interesting. That's very, very interesting. Well, let's get started. Let's start off with the very first Survivor Series, 1987. Andre the Giant, Butch Reed, King Kong Bundy, One Man Gang, and Ravishing Rick Rude. Those are the heels, in case you're keeping track at home. Defeated Bam Bam Bigelow, Don the Rock Morocco, Ken Patera, Paul Orndorff, and Hulk Hogan. So... 
Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow was like 26 years old here, which is crazy to think about because he looked pretty much the same his entire run. He gets that big run as the last face in the match, unfortunately, does not win. Uh, but it's, it, this was, again, the, obviously not the first Survivor Series match, but the first main event Survivor Series match. You get Andre the Giant on the sidelines looking big and menacing. Uh, the, the Rock Don Morocco. It, it was a fun match with a lot, a lot of the commentary from uh, Bobby the Brain is great going after Patera. Uh, a lot going on, a lot of fun, and I like that you get Rick Rude, you get Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, it's good to see King Kong Bundy. It's, it was like a lot of characters that you didn't really see interact back in the day. And with the promos yeah. in the back where the, the faces are in the back and Hogan's leading the charge and they're all getting to say their little piece, it, it's a good way to start what, these main events. What I did not remember is, and you touched on it, Bam Bam Bigelow, they were really building up here because Hulk Hogan got eliminated because he got counted out. And I want to point that out because you touched on it. The way they would eliminate Hulk Hogan was usually some kind of cheap <laughs> way because Hogan cannot be pinned. So he was fighting with both King Kong Bundy and the one man gang when he got counted out and then refused to leave. <laughs> Hogan was a heel in a weird way. And and we put since we both listened to something to wrestle with, he they lose the match and he comes out and Hogan must pose. I know, I know. That that's the funny <laughs> ending. So Andre the Giant is the sole survivor, and Hulk Hogan comes out and attacks Andre to close the show, in which Jesse Ventura, and this was one of my favorite parts, says Hulk Hogan is despicable for what he did. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, it is pretty despicable. We've talked about this in the other retrospectives, but Hulk Hogan wrestled as a heel. Yeah. Eye rakes, yes. back rake, the whole thing. He was a bad This guy. was all heel-like. Now, they were clearly setting up for Hogan versus Andre, too. I mean, you could tell. Even when they entered the ring to face each other, they made a big deal out of the fact that, hey, this is the first time Hogan and Andre are in the same ring since WrestleMania three. So you could tell that this whole match was about leading towards what eventually became their big rematch on the main event, the, the most famous main event, the highest-rated wrestling event of all time when the Hebners did their swerve. So clearly they were really eyeing the Hogan-Andre rematch, but the Bigelow point is this. Bam Bam Bigelow was facing three heels. It was Andre, Bundy, and One Man Gang against Bam Bam, and they had Bam Bam eliminate Bundy and the One Man Gang to where he was getting a push. So even though Andre got the victory and ends up beating Bam Bam Bigelow, you would have thought, if you didn't know what ended up happening, that, wow, Bam Bam Bigelow is the next big face in the WWE with the way they were giving him that push. And, and, think, and they did something similar 27 years later. We'll get to it. Dolph Ziggler, you mean? Six, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. a, no, a million percent. You know <laughs> where I'm going. That. It's one of those things where I it, thought that. there are so many opportunities in the WWE calendar where they can take a guy in the mid-card, maybe upper mid-card, and shoot him to the moon. Yep. And it's amazing to me how often they miss that opportunity. So a guy like Bam Bam Bigelow, he was in the company, he left, he came back, went to WCW, ECW, the Jersey Triad, the whole thing. Right. Um, but he had all the talent in the world. He was a kid here, and the crowd was behind it. And that's what I was most shocked by. Uh, watching these, these, these year by year, you figure out when Bossman becomes a face, when Taker becomes a face, and all this other stuff. But I didn't realize how over Bam Bam was here. And, you know, listen... Uh, listen, Hogan has to win all these matches, but you know what? You could have built up Bam Bam, and it's sad that they didn't uh, take advantage of that. No, you're right. By the way, I think this podcast could be two and a half hours long, because <laughs> I think we just spent five minutes on the first main event back in 1987. But for the record, the sole survivor of the very first Survivor Series main event was Andre the Giant. Survivor Series 1988, Hercules, Hillbilly Jim, Coco Beware, and the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man, defeat 
the old Twin Towers, Hakeem, the big boss man, Haku, the Red Rooster, and Ted DiBiase. And this is all in service of WrestleMania Five that comes up the next year. Uh, it, it's, it's still trippy to see Macho Man wearing the red and yellow of Hulk Hogan. Uh, boss Man, before he turned face. Haku, uh, who I remember as Meng uh, in WCW uh, <laughs> in the mid-90s or late-90s. DiBiase is great DiBiase. But the faces here was a random uh, piece of Hillbilly Jim, Coco, uh, Hercules, Hogan, and Savage. And I, what I forgot about, so if you watch this back on the WWE, WWE Network, you'll notice that Koki Beware, Coco Beware's uh, butt, uh, the back of his tights are blurred out. So for some I reason, didn't even notice that. For some reason, he had WWF oh, wow. on the back of his tights, and it's wow. blurred out on the network. Wow. I watched that whole match and did not even <laughs> pick up on that. What, what I picked up on was we are looking for discord between Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man, and it's easy to do that now because, like you said, this was all about setting up eventually the mega powers exploding. Unless you saw something I didn't see, there was zero discord until the end when Hogan, after getting the victory, picked up Liz and the macho man looked very jealous and pointed as they were celebrating. But there was no mention by the announcers of it. So there wasn't even I, I think Jesse Ventura was doing it. But if Jesse was, he didn't say, hey. Macho looks a little annoyed, but I did pick up on it, which is easy to do, knowing that's what they were doing. But that was the only sign of discord between Hogan and Macho. Back in the day when they would set up the WrestleMania main event five months in advance. Right. No lust Hogan, no genocide. No, it's none of that. Um, And you're looking for it, like you said, and we'll see it in some of these matches down the line. Uh, But it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things where these multi-man matches and the most random things, the most random transitional moves will end a guy's night. Yes, even to uh, this day that happens. Which which I love. I I love that people don't really run into the ring all the time. It's fun. It it is a little awkward seeing the Red Rooster in a main event. I mean, I get it. It's a Survivor Series match, but the Red Rooster does not belong anywhere near a main event. At the time, Hakeem and the big boss man were getting a big push as the Twin Towers. That's why the boss man didn't lose clean. He got DQ'd because he kept assaulting Hulk Hogan with a nightstick. (laughs) And how about the fact, little factoid, one-man gang and then Hakeem. So in back-to-back years, the same guy with a different gimmick is in the main event of Survivor Series. Gotta like that. And that's something with all these multi-man matches. How many... Like, we did it with WrestleMania, we did it with SummerSlam, how often these guys main event matches. Uh, with, with Survivor Series, there's not a trend of this guy is always in the main right. event. It's usually a different, it's always something different happening. I agree. Uh, Survivor Series 1989, no Hulk Hogan in the main event. The Ultimate Warrior, the uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Jannetty defeat Bobby the Brain Heenan, Andre the Giant, Haku, and Arn Anderson. So when we were texting back and forth when we were watching literally 70 hours combined of Survivor Series, yes. um, the one match you texted me about, well, I texted you one match, and then you texted me one back, mm-hmm. and this is the one you texted me about. Yes. It was interesting seeing the Rockers here, again, how over they were, and how great Shawn Michaels was. When you think about the run of Shawn Michaels, this is 1989. Uh, three years later, he has the, the match with Brett we'll talk about in a sec. Three years after that, he wins the belt. You know, it just, it, it, it's, it's amazing how truncated his run was. So... I, I don't know if I should bother giving you this comparison. So this match, I'm going to do it. This is a podcast Please. who gives a crap. So this match left such a mark on me, I wanted to explain it to my wife, who doesn't know anything about wrestling. <laughs> and right now, you know this. I haven't really talked that much about it, but I'm binging Dawson's Creek. 
okay? So I'm about to tie in this match with Dawson's Creek. If you don't watch or didn't know Dawson's Creek, I understand how this is going to go over everybody's head. So what I was enamored by is that they were pushing Shawn Michaels in 1989. That's what I'm enamored by. I mean, this is early days, rockers. Like, this is about pushing the ultimate warrior, not Shawn Michaels. And remember... It was Shawn Michaels and the Warrior as a team for a while against Bobby Heenan, Haku, and Arn Anderson. And Shawn was really getting a push. It's almost as if back then they knew this guy's going to be a star. And think about it. Shawn didn't become a singles competitor for another two and a half, three years. Like, it's not as if he got his singles pushed six months later, bro. This was years ahead of time. And looking back at it, watching it all these years later, I marveled at the WWE's foresight. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. But it's also, so they did in the post, and this isn't quite the post-Hogan era yet. No, not yet. But they did a lot of unique stuff, like with Brett and uh, Bulldog at SummerSlam 92. There's a lot of like things that you wouldn't expect them to do. Right. Uh, Brett and and uh, and Sean at Survivor Series 92 will get to. There's a lot of stuff that like, you know, we're going to go with these smaller guys. But, 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 we're going to go with these wrestlers. But he was, like the Rockers, bro, weren't even a top tag team. They were popular. Tag team, sure, but they were not a top tag team. I even looking back at the weirder stuff that they did, this was really weird and awesome because we now know what Shawn Michaels became. Do you want to hear the Dawson Street comparison? It's Pacey involved, no, okay. Jack is involved. You remember Jack? No, Jack was a guy who came out as gay in the middle of the show, okay, okay? which is great. It was a very emotional storyline. I cried when it happened. I'm not gonna lie to you. Well, with this time or originally, I never watched it originally. See, Dawson's Creek is all new to me. That's why I'm really having a good time watching it. So when I knew they had a character named Jack who came out as gay. I knew that. So I'm watching him have a relationship with Joey, who's a girl. And they showed no signs of a character that was fighting with his sexuality. And it bothered me because, like, if they dropped a hint here and there about, hey, here's a kid, you know, 15-year-old kid, who's really battling with who he is, I would take his coming out as a little bit more, wow, oh, I could have, I should have known that, you know? It it was almost like the writers, like modern-day WWE writers said, you know what we should do? We should have Jack come out as gay. Like, without any... Anything to, to give you hints about it. Yet here's the WWE three years earlier giving you hints. This is the tirade I went on with for about 20 minutes to my wife. And she's <laughs> like, I guess I understand where you're coming from. So I don't know if anybody listening cares or understands, but that's my tirade. There are very few storylines in WWF history where they go and give you hints right. down the line. We'll get to it in the late 90s with Survivor Series 98. That might be my favorite one. Okay. They do a lot of foreshadowing with that. But outside of that, like you said, they, they when they give you a hint of somebody, like Cesaro winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royale. Right. Like Dolph Ziggler, which we'll get to in, in six and a half hours. Like with, with all these other, <laughs> this, all these other ta- like with Lex Luger, they never really gave him the shot to the moon. It, it's, it's, it, it's hard because it's a live show and you get that instant reaction. With soap operas, right. it's written nine months in advance. Yeah. So it's already in the can. But with with wrestling and live shows like this, you can tinker and change, and maybe that's not always a good thing. If if something like AEW or or uh, WWE now or ROH or New Japan or any of the forty five million uh, wrestling companies out there were like, you know what, we're going to tell this story, mm-hmm. kind of like um, uh, what the, the 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 Aztec Temple. What what, what, am, I, what am I forgetting about the uh, Lucha Underground? And like this is our season. 
We have the season written. Right, right. This is what we're going to do. And we can foreshadow. They're not able to do that now because they're so beholden to the live events yeah. and trying to get people to come in. Uh, a couple of other things from this match I want to touch on. I loved Bobby the Brain Heenan wearing the Andre the Giant wrestling gear. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that. And one other thing. Ultimate Warrior act like a heel because after the match, he's clotheslining. Who did he clothesline? I think Bobby Heenan. Mm. After the match, he clotheslines Bobby Heenan up the entrance ramp. So much like Hulk Hogan, the Warrior, as he's about to become the top guy, acting like a heel. I just want to let you know that our pace is setting this podcast up to be about two and a half hours, which I think is kind of funny. That's all right. We'll you order, imagine that? Warner Dominoes around 1996. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's get to this one. This was a weird one. This was different. Survivor Series 1990, it was the grand finale match where they took survivors from various Survivor Series matches earlier in the night and pitted them against each other. Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, and Tito Santana, just three of them, against Hercules, Paulie Roma, Ray Martel, Ray Martel, Rick Martel. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, I love you. Sugar. Former producer. Ted DiBiase and the Warlords. So they built this up as a surviving team. That entire team had survived, and now they're facing Hogan, Warrior, and Tito Santana. They called it the grand finale. I loved it. It was, what, 10 minutes long. They kind of banged through it. Uh, and, you know, again, this was what? Mm, this is at the end of... WrestleMania 6 happens in April. This is the first time Hogan and Warrior are kind Correct. of the same ring together. And by the way, I want to point out, I love the fact that DiBiase mentioned that in the promo. He said, can they be good teammates? They faced each other at WrestleMania 6. I like that. I like that he brought that up. I, I love Rick Martel. He, I, it, it's fun to watch these as an adult because you have a different sense of who you like and who you don't like. Right. When I was a kid, I was a Hogan fan because we all were. Mm -hmm. But my father loved the, the Macho Man. And I'm like, how can you love the Macho Man? He was such a jerk. But you watch it all these years <laughs> later, the Macho Man's the best. Uh, Rick Martel, with the on the model, with the arrogance, the whole right. thing was so much fun. And like I said, this is a, a, a nine-minute, seven-second match. So they're really kind of banging through these pinfalls. And you get the end shot with Hogan and Warrior in the ring. And you're like, where do they go from? And we know where they go from there. I thought at the time, because I, I do remember this, this is one of the first Survivor Series I remember, I thought we were going to get Hogan and Warrior the rematch. That's really what I... Maybe they thought that at the time. Because, I mean, to have them both, and remember, they were teammates later on, a year later, against Sergeant Slaughter and Colonel Mustafa and all those guys. But at the time, them being teammates were, you know, it was kind of new. It was kind of different. I thought they were setting them up to have a rematch. And remember, Hogan must pose. Hogan had to try to steal Warriors' mojo because as he was getting the win, Hogan joins in on the pin, on the counting of the three, <laughs> which was so typical of Hulk Hogan. I think that's some of my favorite parts about rewatching this is that Hogan is like the most insecure <laughs> human being that has ever existed because he just finds different ways to try to steal the show. When you watched this match, did you go about five minutes before the main event? Because five minutes before the main event was the gobbly gooker making his debut. I saw the egg and I fast forward. You didn't want to see it again. No, I was watching on my computer computer because like i have a roku and on my computer i can control it a little bit better right. and you can kind of just say i want survivor series so i was like bang 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 oh, cool. bang so i saw the egg and i'm like get me the hell away yeah no this. good idea i also noticed how they kept building up that quote tomorrow night the warriors defending the title against ted dibiase 
So I, I, they had an event the very next day. It wasn't Saturday night's main event. It was just the main event because I think it was on a Friday. And some of these shows, I can't tell you which shows because they all blur together, but they were promoting some of these shows as being Saturday shows. And I love that AEW is doing that. I love that. I love the, the Saturday night. Survivor Series? Some of them were. Because I remember a lot of them being Wednesday, Wednesday before nights. Survivor yeah. Series. Yeah. Some of them ah, were before Thanksgiving. Some yeah. of them were Wednesdays. Some of them were Saturdays. But I think Saturdays are really dope pay-per-view night. I, I, it's not bad. I, I always wish that WWE would do it, but uh, maybe someone else does. Well, I like yeah. that. Yeah, no, no, you're right about that. Uh, let's get to the next one. This is a this is a really weird main event, and we'll explain why I think this was the main event. But Survivor Series 1991, that was Hogan Undertaker. That was not the main event. That was in the middle of the show. The last match of the night was the Big Boss Man and LOD defeating Erwin R. Scheister and the Natural Disasters. Very strange that this was the last match of the night. So I had to watch Taker Hogan because I hadn't seen that in a while. Sure. That was that was fun. But you forget how over Boss Man and Legion of Doom was, and you forget how uh, how over IRS was as a heel. Yeah. This is 1991. We were, we were six, seven years old. We didn't want to pay our taxes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all the all you ta- the tax uh, hounds in the crowd. No, this was, I don't know why this match happened. I don't love the three-on-three format. Uh, Bossman goes out early. And LOD, man, they, again, they were over huge. Well, it, it was weird on many levels. First of all, this match is not a main event, obviously. And second of all, you're right. It was a three-on-three elimination match, not a four-on-four or a five-on-five. So basically, here's why it was the main event. Hogan Undertaker had their match earlier in the night that had a quote-unquote controversial ending. And early on, they started building up about this Tuesday night in Texas event that was coming up real soon. And Jack Tunney, in the middle of the event, announced the big rematch of Undertaker-Hogan Tuesday night in Texas. So I think that they used the pay-per-view to build up this next pay-per-view that was only a week later. I I guess they figured we couldn't end the show with Hogan-Undertaker because... We want to sell you on Hogan Undertaker Tuesday night in Texas. So I think that's why the real main event, which, which of course, that's what it should have been. It was the sure. first ever WWF title match at a Survivor Series. That was the first time ever. So that was their thinking behind it, which is kind of cheap, that they're basically taking this pay-per-view to try to sell you on another pay-per-view. What did eight-year-old Evan Roberts think of The Undertaker? Because when I was a kid... I was terrified. So I wasn't terrified, but I really didn't like the gimmick. I just thought it was so over the top and stupid. That was my opinion as a kid. And and guess what? I never fell in love with The Undertaker. But Papa Roberts is a realist. So he's probably like, I have, uh, you know, and kind of demystified it. I don't remember what my dad thought of the character. But I just, I didn't love it. I did like the fact that he was fighting Hulk Hogan because they made Undertaker this insurmountable monster. He obviously made his debut one year earlier. And it was a very different kind of gimmick. There's no doubt. And what I remember about the Hogan-Undertaker match is that most people were cheering for the Undertaker. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. Year after year, you can kind of see the the Hogan, uh, the crowd reaction getting slighter yes. and slighter and more and more, you know, the uh, peop- booze. People really like the Undertaker character right from the get-go. I was in the minority and not liking it, but... Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, you see it today with some of the different characters, but, you know, it, people react to something new and different. Yes, that's and they- why Bray Wyatt is so over, for that reason. All right, thank you for saying such things. Survivor Series 1992. Now we're moving towards the world in which there are title matches as the main event. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Don't adjust your, uh, however you're listening to this. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, not 1997, 1992, main event Survivor Series 1992. This is so good. This is so good. And you forget, 
you know, I forget that um, Michael's real finisher at this time was that teardrop uh, backdrop yeah. that Hart kicked out of. 27 some, some odd minutes long. Um, one of the few Survivor Series main events that when I went back into the WWE Network, it was already at the end because I made it a point to watch it. How about that? At the past. Um, it's great. And like you said, it, it, it's the, the promo picture was great. Uh, the, 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 the Titan Tron in the background with the picture of Hart with the... Uh, the British, uh, what do you call it, uh, Sergeant Pepper style uh, shoulder pads, and then Michaels with the glasses, and with the old music, with Sherry singing the music. The match was really good. And I, I can't believe they had the, uh, well, I guess they had to at the time. What else are they going to do? Well, okay, so a couple of things. On the match, it was great. It was an, an incredible match. I remember watching this as a kid, rooting my heart out for Shawn Michaels. I was oh. a big Shawn Michaels fan, even as a heel. What? Come on. I loved him. I thought he was great. Did you have a pair of the glasses? I, I don't think I had. Did, no. you have a, did you have a mullet? <laughs> I didn't. Have, I actually did. No, I did have a mullet. Uh, I, I thought this was just awesome. It was 27 minutes, 28 minutes, whatever you said. And one great thing about a great match is how it ends. And there was a cool ending. Shawn Michaels jumps off the top rope, and Brett catches him right into the sharpshooter. These were the days in which there was no dramatic tap out. It was just the official pointing to the bell claiming that he gave up. So there was no proof that Shawn Michaels actually gave up. Wait, so you're saying they were foreshadowing five years in advance? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) But you know what I I, want to mention about this? I don't know if this was ever supposed to be the main event. because No, no way was it supposed to be the main event. Because first of all, Shawn was the Intercontinental Champion. So they had a WWF Champion versus IC Champion match. And remember, the thing they were promoting the most was the Ultimate Warrior and the Macho Man against Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. That was supposed to be the main event, and they had set that up for a while. If you go back to SummerSlam that year with Ric Flair kind of getting involved and Mr. Perfect getting involved in the main event between Warrior Savage, and it looked like they were doing some kind of Warrior Savage angle where they were going to be a tag team. Maybe they'd break up eventually, but they were a tag team. The Warrior got fired or quit. Something happened about three weeks before this event, and they turned Mr. Perfect face, and so the match turned into Macho Man and Mr. Perfect versus Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. I think if the Warrior was still around, that was going to be the main event. And something further was going to happen with the Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior. I don't know if it was a turn. I'm not positive. But I don't think Brett Sean was ever supposed to be the main event. No, and this is a time where, you know, this is during the lawsuit. This is, Hogan's not there, Macho's not there, Warrior's not there. Bret Hart is your guy. Well, no, Macho and Warrior were supposed to be there, though. But, but, they're, but they're not. Well, Macho is, not the Warrior. Uh, fair enough. Because remember, it's Macho and Perfect. And that was cool, the way Mr. Perfect turned face. Sure. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Uh, macho and Perfect versus Flair and Razor Ramon, a young Razor Ramon. Absolutely. But you're right, Hogan's not there, and now the Warrior's not there. So, uh, listen, you know, Bret... And this is kind of the time where I was kind of fading away from the WWF at the time, like the, around this era. Um, but rewatching it again with the a thirty mid thirties year old uh, eyes, it's just a really damn good match. And it goes into WrestleMania nine, which is interesting for a variety of reasons. I think Yoko went over like Virgil on this card, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they were building him up at the time. Yeah, <laughs> he was getting his build. So yeah, I, listen, it, it's funny to see where this is. Again, I like this because it's not. It's not quite WrestleMania season yet, right. so you get some weird and unique stuff. Um, and the, Shawn Michaels really gets his first opportunity to show he's a main event player. No doubt. Yeah, Brett and Shawn for the title, Survivor Series 92. Survivor Series 1993, we're back to the traditional Survivor Series match. It's the All-Americans, Lex Luger, Scott Steiner, The Undertaker, 
and Rick Steiner, so it's the two Steiners, Undertaker and Luger, they defeat Crush, uh, Ludwig Borga, Jacques, and Yoko Zuno. That was the match. It was the foreign fanatics losing to the All-Americans. All these years later, it bothers me that The Undertaker is part of the All-Americans. Like, the Undertaker, <laughs> he's from Death Valley. I guess Death Valley is, is in, in, in the United States. This was fine. It was fine. You know, listening to, to something to wrestle, they were talking about, like, you know, Scott Steiner potentially getting a push. Yeah, I couldn't believe that when they said that. <laughs> that Scott Steiner, they thought, or I forget the specifics, but Bruce Pritchard was mentioning that Scott Steiner was a thought to win the Royal Rumble in instead of Yokozuna. Yeah, yeah the year earlier. 93. Yeah, so it's just one of those things where, you know, Steiner, you know, listen, he did some crazy stuff. Like, I forgot about the Steiner, you know, uh, Steiner screwdriver, Steiner yeah. Frankensteiner. Like, for a big guy, he did a lot of crazy stuff. Um it was it was fine. Um, it was just it's fun to see Luger in, in this era. It's fun to see Taker as a face. It's fun to see the Steiners as faces. Uh, the heels didn't really do uh, anything for me. Um, it was this is really a throwaway. It was this fine. was one of the worst main events in Survivor Series history. Let's call it like it is. And a part of the problem is Lex Luger is now the face of the WWF. And the proof that he's the face of the WWF is the show began with the weirdest Lex Luger and wife <laughs> and kids happy Thanksgiving promo, which sucked. The one thing I, I don't remember at the time because the match was so bad is that they were clearly setting up Yokozuna Undertaker. They both got counted out, and so they ended up fighting at the Royal Rumble a few months later. That's when The Undertaker got buried or killed or whatever the heck happened. But what I had a tough time understanding at the time was, here's Lex Luger, who's clearly the face of the WWF. He's clearly the number one guy. He was the sole survivor in this match. And yet, he isn't getting another title match with Yokozuna. He beat him by count that at SummerSlam. And he's clearly not the next in line to get a match for the championship. I just found the whole thing with Luger and the weird push that he got that year to be very, very bizarre. The other thing about this, too, is that the year before, there was only one Survivor Series match. This card was nothing but Survivor Series matches. And that's something that we can get talk about later, we can talk about now. But how do you feel about having these traditional Survivor Series matches on the card? Do you feel like it's a necessity? Well... Think about this. To this point, we are now in 1993. We are now, you know, six or seven Survivor Series is in. And we are content with a Survivor Series match that has nothing on the line. As you see, as we move closer to the new millennium, every Survivor Series match needed a stipulation. And I think it was indicative of what we are as fans where we need a reason to care. And I think until this point, you didn't need a reason to care because of something you said earlier. You were seeing combos of wrestlers that you weren't used to. You know, you were seeing Rick Rude in the same ring as uh, Hulk Hogan. And that was special. Nowadays, or as we move towards the late 90s, it wasn't as special. So this, you're saying this is like interleague play? Kind of. Yeah. Well, that. Well, <laughs> it's tough when you're, when, you have, when you're on live TV for two hours, 52 weeks a year. I agree. It's hard to keep people away it's from each It's a different time. It's a different time. Absolutely. Survivor Series 1994, we got a one-on-one -on -one match, but it's not a title match. It's a casket match between The Undertaker and Yokozuno with Chuck Norris as the special guest enforcer. <laughs> is, is Chuck Norris the reason why The Undertaker was a real American? Is that why? It's a, so at the entire time, I was just transfixed on Chuck Norris, who showed no emotion. <laughs> <laughs> and 
any point during this event. He super kicks uh, Jeff Jarrett in the chest. Right. Uh, it, this this was fine. I loved the again. This is like during the video game era for me. So I remember having a Sega Genesis with the casket and the the double wide casket and the whole thing. Uh, this felt like a video game. Uh, the promos are great. The, the, again, this is a stupid. 15 minutes. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the everyone coming in at the end and Undertaker prevailing. It was fine. It's fun to see Cornette. It's fun to see Fuji. Uh, it's fun to see everyone else who kind of ran in there. And, you know, Taker wins, slams the casket. It's fine. Well, it, it, it's fine for what it is. When you say something is fine, which you've used a lot now, that's your nice way of saying it sucked. Well, I, that's what I've picked up on. I'm a nicer person than you okay. have. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this match. It's fine. You're right with the you, word so You fine. just said fine. You just said I'm fine mocking, twice. I'm mocking it. Come on. Here's my problem. It's not a main event. It's a blow-off. It's a blow-off to what happened at the Royal Rumble a few months earlier. And I get it. There needed to be closure to the Undertaker. Yoko's in a feud with the Undertaker getting the clean victory, which he did, in this match. The problem is you had a title change on this pay-per-view. I get it was a hokey title change, but nevertheless, there was one. And if you don't want that to be the main event, Diesel and Shawn Michaels breaking up was a huge deal. I just, this was one of those matches which you're right. It's fine, but it's not fine as the main event of a show. And that's my biggest problem with it. It's also a weird time in uh, the WWF with, you know, going to WrestleMania 11 which might be among the worst WrestleManias ever. Yeah, and it was a weird transition because they were trying to get the belt off Brett to Diesel, and they couldn't have Diesel be Brett, so they had Bob Backlund win it for a night. I, I thought that could have been the end of the show, a, a controversial ending. Oh, my God, Bob Backlund won the title. I don't know. Uh, but, I don't know, but Backlund's also a weird guy to do it, too, because people didn't know who he was. Like, he's talking about... <laughs> he knew who he was. In 95? People didn't know who he was. Like, you, you knew who he was because your father's telling him about right, it. Let me ask you a question. Kid, kid, I didn't know Bob Bagley okay. was in 95. If you want to transition, transition the belt from Brett to Diesel mm-hmm. and you, you don't want to have them wrestle, we'll get to that next year, who is the transition champion then? Yokozuna. You can go DiBiase. You can go, what else can you do? Yeah, Not doink. Ted DiBiase, I don't think he's even wrestling at this oh, point. Owen? Yo- yeah, Yokozuna. Owen. Why can't you go Yeah, Owen? Owen's the guy. Yeah. No, I think you just gave the answer. I think the, the, the best answer for it is Owen. Yeah. Anyhow, speaking of Bret Hart Diesel, Survivor Series 1995 for the WWF Championship. This is the first main event title change in Survivor Series history. Bret Hart against Diesel for the belt. Shout out to my boy, uh, Don Vitale out in Phoenix. He's a pro wrestler out there. And I was talking to him about watching all these shows. And this was dope. Like, I didn't love Kevin Nash as a kid. Like, he wasn't my dude. Wolfpack, all right, fine, that was fine. But, like, I didn't think of him as a great worker. This is a great match. Great psychology. Great, he couldn't, you know, uh, Brett couldn't even get up to get powerbombed. And uh, Diesel was selling the leg the entire match. This was a great, listen, do we need uh, Kevin Nash in a 25-minute match? No. But that being said, it was great. I love him losing the belt via small package. I love him freaking out after the match. I loved everything about this, and I'm kind of shocked about it. I'm completely with you. I I could argue that this was the best main event in Survivor Series history. Not necessarily that the match is pound for pound the best, but just everything about it. The psychology of it and the ending of it. to, To this point or ever? To this point. Okay. No, not ever. Okay. We'll get to ever. <laughs> Brett Shawn Michaels was also very, very good. But you know what I really liked about this? I didn't know who was going to win. 
when I watched this as a kid, and, and I'm watching this now. Now these are events I remember live. The first few I don't remember. I didn't know who was going to win. I mean, Diesel had had the title for almost a year. Brett, you know, was finally getting his crack at him. Every time they had fought previously, there had been some kind of schmoz ending, some kind of DQ, some kind of weird ending. And I watched this not knowing what was going to happen. And I thought the way Brett surprised him by rolling him up in the small package was really cool. And then the Diesel heel turn, which I think he needed. I mean, oh, at that absolutely. time, I think that was a way to freshen up his character. So I thought this was, I thought this was excellent. I thought it was great. And he was over. He was still over. Uh, the heel turn needed to happen, but the crowd was into him. And that's what's so crazy about watching these, these, these shows and watching the product now is that the crowd popped for almost everything. It could be the opener. Yeah. It could be the Brooklyn Brawler. They're like, oh, yeah, the Brooklyn Brawler's here. This is great. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is a match where you have two Hall of Famers, two studs. And, uh, you know, Diesel held the, the belt for a year, mm-hmm. about. Um, this, was, this was a lot better than I remembered it being. Survivor Series 1996. This is the only Survivor Series I've been at, if memory serves correct. It was at Madison Square Garden. The main event was Psycho Sid becoming the brand new WWF champion as he defeated Shawn Michaels. So this was another good story. Psycho Sid is such an interesting character in WWF history. He was only at two WrestleManias and he main evented both of them. <laughs> um, you know, I, I like the... Well, actually, no, you know what? This was so out of character for Shawn Michaels, I didn't like it. So that's what I wanted to say. Because uh, Sid grabs the, the camera in the ring for some reason. Jose Lothario might have a heart attack. Shawn is... is Sean is distracted. <laughs> They're basically re- reenacting Rocky III. Um, it, d- it didn't ring true for me because Michaels is not that guy. It was interesting to see, see Sid with the belt. Uh, it's interesting to see where they went with it. Uh, I'm not against Sid winning the belt. That was cool to see. But I just didn't like, I did not like Shawn Michaels being the, the bleeding heart worrying about his manager because, again, it just didn't ring true. I thought Shawn Michaels as a face didn't ring true. He just wasn't believable as a face. I think his second tenure with the WWF, when he came out of retirement, that worked as a face. At this point, I I just thought he was a natural heel, which is probably who he was as a real person. I did not like this. I didn't like it at the time. The best match on the show was Steve Austin against Bret Hart. That was a, a great match. I get why it's not the main event, but it was a great match. I just thought there was so much schmoziness to this, if that's even a word. You know, you've got... Errol Hebner gets knocked out. The camera's involved. Lothario with a heart attack was just, come on. I just don't want to see that. I just don't think, not that I'm offended by it. I just don't need to see that. No, it's not. I don't, like, I, with wrestling, I don't want to think about the real world. And yeah. When you, kind of, when you blur those lines, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. The, the one positive I'll say is Shawn Michaels did what Brett did a year earlier and got a close three. I don't know if you remember this. Mm -hmm. He did the same thing where he acted like he was lifeless and dead and then quickly rolled up Sid and almost got the victory. So that that was cool. I like the symbolism of the fact that it happened a year earlier and the crowd was all for Sid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and those moments, too, where (coughs) where those big heels, you know, as a kid, you don't remember. I don't remember the good guys getting uh, booed and the bad guys getting cheered. But man, Sid was cool. Like, you know, if you were, we were what, 12, 13 years old when this is going down, this big giant maniac is just going to be yelling and screaming and taking stuff over and over again. Yeah, it was, listen, I want to talk to Sid about softball. Get him on the show. <laughs> Ask him about it. Is, <laughs> I'll work on that for you. All right. This Bro. could be 
This could be a podcast on its own. Survivor Series 1997, Shawn Michaels defeats Bret Hart to become the brand new WWF champion in the infamous Screwjob. What, what do we say? I mean, what do we say? This was about, this might be the tip, what well, probably is the tipping point of the Monday Night Wars. It's the tipping point of um, the, 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 the WCW and WWF. It, it's crazy to think about because they don't really... I don't know. Did, they, did, you, did you feel like they foreshadowed it at all? I didn't really get that impression. So here's what I remember, and I have no proof of this. I watched this pay-per-view through a scrambled box, okay? I'll never forget this. I don't know if you remember, but you could hear the pay-per-view, but you couldn't see it. It's kind of like watching porn as a kid. You can kind of see some nakedness, but not really, but you heard the sounds. That was what I had for this pay-per-view, and I have this memory of Vince McMahon being asked by Michael Cole, what's going to happen tonight? And Vince saying, well, for the first time, I really don't know. And I remember this. I remember (laughs) that vividly. And my dad saying, wow, this is really weird. And I'm like, yeah, this is kind of strange. Not seeing it, but hearing it. I cannot find that clip anywhere. Oh, that's funny. When you go back and watch the pay-per-view, it's not there. So unless I remembered it wrong, unless it's in my memory Oddly, I cannot find the existence of that. And I thought that was always strange because what do you mean this is the first time you don't know? Like the whole what's going to happen tonight. It was so that was foreshadowing if it was real, if it exists, which I still can't find. Well, to be fair, like for the previous, what, six months or a year he was having, he was basically feuding with Bret Hart. He gets knocked down in the ring with the uh, yeah, but little raw jacket. Yeah, but he's still the announcer, man. But no, they They're were, not talking but, about him as the owner. They're, they're hinting at it. Okay, hinting at it. But they're t- he was basically supposed to the man, as the uh, owner at this point. This is only a 12-minute match, and for everything that happens, I will never forget the indelible image of this in my mind is Bret Hart leaning on the hard side camera front on the top rope and fingering out W-C-W. And that's the end of Bret Hart as we knew him. And he gets the belt for the first time in 92. He he leaves in 97. The run's only five years, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah. The match sucked. I mean, it was not a good match. And I I guess... they hated each other at this point. No, I agree. They hated each other. Bret knew he was gone. There was uncertainty about what the ending was going to be. What we all remember was the ending and then what happened after. But the rest of the match and the rest of the event, might I say, was really, really bad. I mean, pound for pound Survivor Series 1997 could be the worst one. It really could. I mean, (laughs) you you can certainly make that argument. But the ending is the ending. You know, it's what we all remember. Yeah, we can't, can't disagree. Survivor Series 1998, it was the finals of a WWF championship tournament of the Deadly Game. The Rock defeats Mankind for his first WWF championship. So there's a lot that I'm trying to make sense of rewatching this back, because The Rock was a, a, a ever-growing face at this point. Yes. The crowd loved him. He wrestled the match as a face. At the end of the match, the, the, the climax of the match, he's, getting, he's in the Mandible Claw. He powers out of the Mandible Claw... Rock bottoms mankind, and then the the schmooze happens, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. I was not anticipating that. He puts him in the sharpshooter. They call for the bell. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the crowd's kind of in disbelief. Vince cuts a three-minute promo, and then, he, then they give the Rock the mic, and history has changed. This was the most I think I've ever been shocked watching wrestling. And maybe that's weird. Maybe I was that naive. But 
I was all in on The Rock. <laughs> I, I loved him as this growing face. Remember, he had won a triple threat match a few papers earlier to become the number one contender, even though that number one contendership never actually happened. He beat the Mankind and Ken Shamrock at a triple threat steel cage <laughs> match. I love The Rock. So I was committed to watching The Rock win his first WWF championship at this event. The event was great. This was a, tri- first of all, a one-night championship tournament with more than two matches, which we'll get to later. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And there was uncertainty. Austin's in it. How's he going to do? Undertaker, Kane, the big boss man. Triple H is listed as being in this event, but we know he's hurt. This, so, this had everything. It had comedy, The Rock intercepting the big boss man's nightstick to, to, to <laughs> defeat. I, I forget. I think it was Ken Shamrock, if I'm not mistaken. This was a great, great event. And when The Rock turned heel, I was stunned. And I wasn't the only one because going back and watching this, the crowd had no idea what to do. The swerve was so good, they couldn't even get the crowd to do what they wanted because the crowd's reaction is, he's the rock and he's awesome. Who cares how he won? Well, he, when he goes for the sharpshooter, the crowd's like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, that right was now? a little weird too. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple of uh, things about this that were awesome. Mick Foley clearly gets screwed. He's the one, and he was a heel at the time. He wanted to be friends with Vince McMahon, all that. Mick standing in the ring as Vince is doing his promo, confused. <laughs> I just loved it. I thought it was so funny. And then after Vince is done with his promo, Mick says, I'm confused, Dad. Dad, yes. What's happening? And Vince says, let me explain it to you. And that's when The Rock just jumps him and beats the crap out of him. So I thought that was really, really funny. The biggest problem, though, is not only does Vince cut a promo, The Rock cuts a promo, and then Austin comes in to clean house and end the show on a positive note. They probably were better off with just The Rock winning, and that's it, as opposed to extending it the way they did. Do you feel that way? Listen, you could have done it the next night. There's no reason why you couldn't do it the next night. No, but uh, Foley was shaved. You saw it under the mask. didn't have a beard, which was, again, corporate mankind. Right. God, that was so good. Oh, it's tremendous. And I, it makes you it makes you wonder uh, how much of this is Russo, how much of this is, is McMahon, mm-hmm. how, who's writing, who who's responsible for all this? Because they foreshadowed this weeks in advance. We talked about this on, on previous episodes. They foreshadowed in the weeks in advance, kind of tinkering here and there. Um, it, this was about as good a, of long term storytelling they ever did. Yes, um, they I've listened. The, the, the switch between mankind and rock uh, like fifteen times during that spring. That I had a problem with. But really, outside of that, the way this was executed, about as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, any problem with the fact that they recreated the screw job from a year earlier? Doing it once, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Doing it fifteen times. Less fine. I agree with you. I think the first time they did it this time, it was okay. This is one of the best storyline and shocks you'll ever get. Survivor Series 1998. Survivor Series 1999, it turned into a triple threat match with The Big Show defeating The Rock and Triple H to become the brand new WWF champion. It was supposed to be Rock, Triple H, Austin. It turned into The Big Show. Vince comes down, hits him with the belt. Big Show choke slams the man of many ages. Uh... It was just weird seeing Show in the belt. Like, I w- it was unexpected. Rock was, he was only healed. He turned heel the year before. He was only healed for six months before he became the monster baby face and became right. the Rock. Right. Um, it was fine. It, it, again, fine, fine is my go-to. I don't think I would say it sucked, but 
it was just weird seeing show win the belt and going into WrestleMania 2000, which again is not my favorite WrestleMania. Right. It's just just kind of a weird like they, they put the belt on on, on Man of Many H's in August and he drops the belt it's, multiple times. Yeah. going into WrestleMania, I think it was at WrestleMania 2000, he was a three or four time champ already. Yeah, this was the the most hot potato with the title we ever saw. It, it, listen, I I like the Big Show. I am a fan of the Big Show. Uh, I look like the Big Show. That might have something to do with it. Uh, but it just didn't do much for me. The biggest problem was the Big Show. Because remember, this is billed as Triple H, Rock, and Austin in a triple threat. Let's just let that marinate in your brain for a second. Even back then, these are three megastars. Right. These are the three biggest stars in the company. Um and they didn't deliver. And I know cards subject to change. I get it. I know Austin was seriously hurt. So I'm not necessarily complaining that Austin couldn't wrestle. I get why he couldn't. I guess the problem was the big surprise was Big Show. And that was a that was a big disappointment. And then they put the belt on him. I mean, keep the belt on Triple H. Put the belt on Rock. The Big Show was just not a champion. In that era where you had such big stars, he was just not the guy. So, and look, it was a colossal failure. He had that one feud against the big boss man where, <laughs> you know, the big show's dad is being dragged around in his casket. And the bigger, bigger storyline at that point was Triple H and Vince McMahon and eventually Stephanie. And then Triple H got the title back anyway. So it turned out to be a waste and it was very disappointing. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. Speaking of disappointing, I mean, I hate to give you my opinion already. I was going to say, I was going to say this sucked. Survivor Series 2000, Steve Austin versus Triple H ends in a no contest. No contest. Do you remember the Radicals, uh, you know, running uh, running for Triple H? I don't remember that at all. I don't remember that also. That The Radicals being involved, Benoit, Saturn, Malenko. Eddie. Eddie, did it, was Eddie there? Yeah, he was there. Okay. Uh, so him too. Yeah, I don't remember that aspect of it, but I do remember the foolish ending to this show. I, listen, Stone Cold <laughs> and, and a piece of uh, moving uh, a vehicle, usually fine. Usually pretty cool. I like the beer truck. I like the Zamboni. There's a, it's a good moments over the years. The forklift and the 30-foot drop. <laughs> God, that was... He should be dead. It was awful. Shouldn't Triple H be dead? If, well, if, that, if well. Steve Austin, if you didn't see the end of this show, go back to the network... Austin gets in a forklift and picks up Triple H while he's in his car and drops it to end the show 30 feet like you mentioned when you see the car crash down. He'd be dead or he'd be paralyzed at minimum. He would not be able to wrestle two weeks later. Again, this is weird. I, I, I was saying before, like this is not quite WrestleMania season. Survivor Series 2000, when I saw this at the main event of Survivor Series 2000, I couldn't put it in context at all. Oh, you want me to put it in context for you? Yeah, please. So Austin came back a few months earlier. They first sold you that Rikishi was the one that ran him over a he, year what, earlier. What did he say? I forgot. He did I it did for it so for you, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> but then they later revealed, because that went so badly, that Triple H really organized it. Okay. And so we got this Austin-Triple H feud, which actually was a really good feud. They had a great match at No Way Out 2001 a few months later, a three stages of hell match. Okay, then I remember. That was awesome. That's it, why you remember it. Because that goes into WrestleMania, because Austin won the... Uh, Rumble. Oh, won Rumble. Correct. And, he, you know, obviously, spoiler alert, turns heel at... Well, no spoiler. Uh, WrestleMania X7. Yes. Yeah, so all right. So I just don't remember no, this that, match. That was the context of it, but this was terrible. And, and if you're going to have Disaster. a no, no contest with him dropping him off a, a forklift, again, it should not be the main event. We should point out that the show ends with Triple H saying a curse word. 
Oh, for, yeah, sure. Holy, you know, I, I choose Moly. not to curse. Holy but First off, that's not true because you curse for, uh, on the, the podcast. No, you no, you curse on the podcast. I do. Oh, sure. You when do. did I curse on the podcast? Not today, but you know, I'll, I'll I never. Point. What word did I'll I use? Mm. I don't. I don't want to use the word. Oh, oh. come on! I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, Survivor Series 2001. Team WWF defeats. WCW and ECW, also known as the Alliance. Chris Jericho, The Big Show, Kane, The Rock, and The Undertaker defeat Booker T, Kurt Angle, RVD, Shane McMahon, and Stone Cold Steve Austin as the WWE or WWF exists with their victory. Do you have the time on this match? I, I have it. Do you have the time on this match? Oh, it was a long one. I would guess it was like 35, 40 minutes. 44, 57. Yeah. It's a 45-minute match. Again, listen, you remember, it would, it, it's not good. It's not good. I like. It's not good. It's not good. You thought it was. You like this? I thought this match was awesome. Oh, I didn't like this at all. You didn't think the. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I didn't like this at all. We all understand that the angle sucked. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. WWF, WCW, it was terrible. They didn't have enough guys. Sure. We all know that. Let's not waste our time. Right. You thought the match was bad? I didn't. I did nothing for me. Are you kidding? Did nothing for me. How about the ending? How about Rock and Austin one on one, which you never see outside of WrestleMania? You didn't like that? No, I didn't like it. Wow. I, I didn't like the Austin <laughs> heel turn. Well, listen, I, the Austin heel turn had some moments. I like Kurt Angle in a little cowboy hat. I like them singing the the wind beneath our ring. Like, <laughs> they had some really stupid, amazing moments. But I, I, I think it just colored it so badly for me that I found no joy in it. Jericho, again, looks like a goober. Didn't like that at all. Um, I did like I, the I did like the, the, the angle uh, saving the WWF but not making a face turn. I enjoyed that. Well, hold on a second. I want you to think about something for a second. Mm-hmm. This is a five-on-five five match. Yes. Every single one of the guys mm-hmm. are Hall of Famers. Every one of them. Eventually Hall of Famer. Like, go one by one. Is Chris Jericho a Hall of Famer? Who are you, you talking okay. about? Okay. Is The Big Show a Hall of Famer? Damn right Okay. Is. is Kane a Hall of Famer? Sure. Is The Rock? Sure. Is The Undertaker? Damn right Is Booker is. T? Of course. Is Kurt Angle? Yes. Rob Van Dam should be? Sure. Stone Cold Steve Austin? It already the is. The one guy who probably isn't is Shane McMahon. What do you mean he's not a Hall of Famer? Okay, he's a Hall of Famer. Every one of them is a Hall of Famer. Is there any Survivor Series match that comes close to that? Doesn't make it good, though? I thought it was good, though. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Wow. I didn't. I just... Too much Stephanie McMahon, too much uh, locker, well, too many locker room shots. It's like, it's just, it, it, it took me out of it. It really did. Well, the problem is the angle sucked. I mean, you're right about that. And the fact that Kurt Angle, you know, joins the alliance and then unjoins the alliance to end the match. Like, I get why that's dumb. I get why Steve Austin fighting for WCW is dumb. I just named all these guys outside of Booker T. It's all WWF guys, RVD's ECW. So that aspect is true. But if you just forget that, I thought it was a really entertaining match. You can't, but I, I can't forget that. Okay. If you're, if this, Fair if enough. this was a conversation of what, uh, like a Dave Meltzer, you know, six star classic, then I think that's a different part. Like, it's, it's, it's fast. It's a lot of finishers. Um, well, I say fast in a forty five minute match. Right. But there's a lot of actions, a lot going on. But it's all in service of. This really, really stupid thing that served I, I no get, purpose. You know what? I understand that aspect of it. All right, so I'll give you that. By the way, we are about to enter 2002. This podcast is almost an hour long. So uh, We're actually doing better than I thought. We're going to break record. This is going to be the longest ever Evan Roberts podcast, but hang in there. Jump ahead if you'd like, whatever you want to do. Okay, dominoes. Survivor Series 2002, the Elimination Chamber. Shawn Michaels defeats Triple H, Booker T, Chris Jericho, Kane, and Rob Van Dam to become the World Heavyweight Champion. This is the first Elimination Chamber. First time. I loved it. 
It was great. You know, it's it's fun. It's it, Shawn Michaels came back at, at SummerSlam 02. He's in the jeans. You know, you, you wonder if he can go. He can go. And Shawn Michaels was great in this match. Jericho didn't look like a goober, which I always appreciate. This is peak H. Uh, Rob Van Dam, again, looking like a stud. You know, you, you, th- you think they're going to put the belt on him at some point. Booker T, again, Hall of Famer, two-time Hall of Famer. He's incredible. Yeah, all these guys uh, are Hall of Famers, too, by the way. This is, this is a, a great concept, a great match. And, you know, this is the only time Michaels won the belt in his last yeah. eight or nine years. His last go-around was his only title win, and he only had it for a month. Oh, this was great. It was great. This was great. First of all, it's the first of a match, a match that stuck around the Elimination Chamber. You know, it stuck around for a while, so uh, that's a positive. Years. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a positive that right from the get-go, it you know, it worked. It was different, and it was cool seeing Sean. I mean, let's face it. This was only, as you mentioned, his second match back from his quote-unquote retirement. I didn't like his hairdo. I didn't like his tights. You didn't like his tights? Brown okay, tights. fair enough. Yeah, I didn't like that either. I didn't like it. His hair was weird. Yeah, it was the, too the short. Bob, the bob cut? Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah it kind of looked like a... I don't know what it looked like, but it wasn't showing. But he's also weird as a face at this point, but it made sense because yeah. H is such a monster heel at this point that you know Sean is a pretty good face. Did here. you think he was going to win? I remember watching at the time not thinking they put the title on him. I figured I, Triple H was going to retain. No, I wasn't shocked. Okay. Again, I was still in the mode of... Listen, I, I was and am uh, such a Jericho mark that... Watching these objectively as a kid was nearly impossible. I was 18. Sure, sure. And like, I knew it wasn't real, but I'm like, Jericho, well, why, why wouldn't you put Jericho <laughs> over here? Um, but it makes sense to put Sean Because again, if he's going to be back, he's going to be one of your top guys. No. And then they had a, a great match a month later. I think that was also a three stages of hell match. Yeah. Sur- where someone gets the belt back. Yeah. Guess who? <laughs> Survivor Series 2003. Guess who? Bill Goldberg retains the World Heavyweight Championship. He defeats. The man of many H's. So you mentioned before the the kick out of two that Sean was very great at. During this match, I don't know if you remember this, Goldberg very obviously does not kick out before three, and the referee has to save his (laughs) Yes, I did remember that. (laughs) Um, This is the beginning of young Batista, young Orton, evolution. I I, I think I I was texting you or somebody, I forget who I was texting, but I'm like, God, young Orton was awesome, and young Batista was awesome, and Evolution was way better than I remember it being. And Goldberg at this time just beating the crap out of everybody. It's it, it was it was dumb. I didn't like the Goldberg run at all. But again, probably colored by not liking H at all. I enjoyed the hell out of this. I really did. It wasn't a bad match. Um, I always think that Goldberg's run was a lot better than people give the WWE and Goldberg credit for. I mean, he won a title. I thought for the most part he was over with the crowd. They made him look strong. My problem at this moment, because again, this is stuff I remember at the time, not rewatching. I was burned out of Goldberg Triple H. We had already seen them have, <laughs> but ser- seriously, you're not wrong. They fought at Elimination Chamber at SummerSlam a few months earlier, the second Elimination Chamber. Then Goldberg won the title at the September or October pay per view, and now they're fighting again. And then they fought a month later when Goldberg dropped the title back to Triple H in a triple threat match. So. I guess at this point, I was just burned out from the Goldberg-Triple H feud. I needed something different. Match was fine. I didn't like Triple H in the biker shorts, though. Yeah, what was that about? He did that for a few months, because I, I think... Was that um, post-quad? No, that, that happened in 2000. Well, but it's post-quad. It's just post-quad three years later. Well, he's, <laughs> Technically. He's very, he's very sensitive about it. I don't know. Yeah, why do you go to the biker shorts? I don't, I don't know. know. I didn't that. like it, though. 
No, I was I not like, a fan of it. No, I don't like it at all. I'm with you on that. Survivor Series 2004. Wait a second. A team match. Team Orton against Team Triple H. This is face Randy Orton. And we've got stipulations. Get ready. Uh, Chris Benoit. Chris Jericho, Maven, and Randy Orton against Team Triple H, which is Triple H, Batista, Edge, Snitsky, and the winning team gets to run Raw for four weeks. I, I remember that. I, I don't know why I remember that, but I certainly remember that. This feels like modern WWE to me. Not like modern 2019, but modern like this transition from yes. Rock Austin to Cena. Like that, this feels you know like- why I think you feel that way, though? Because of something I said earlier. They needed to give you a stipulation. Think about it. They didn't. They don't feel you as a customer. Customer as a fan can just deal with a regular Survivor Series match. You need a reason to care. And their thinking was, "Hey, you get to run raw for four weeks. You will now care about this match." We talked earlier about them, you know, giving uh, shine to a young uh, a young performer. And Orton got the belt at SummerSlam 04. He loses it the next month. Right. Uh, but he goes over very, very clean here. Like, young Orton, he's 24 years old here. He's the sole survivor of the match. Orton looks like a stud. And he's been in the company for 15 years. I, I, I Listen, I liked young Orton, man. I, I, I didn't love young Orton, but here's the but. I thought he was really good in this match. And I am stunned that they gave him the shine that they gave. He beats Edge. He turns a Triple H pedigree into an RKO out of nowhere. Sole survivor that his his run kind of ended right after this. I mean, think about it. Yeah. He became a mid-card performer for a while until he turned back into a heel. I don't think he was a great face, but they really gave him the shine in this by being the sole survivor. It's weird because him and Batista were being turned face at the same time. Orton wins the belt in SummerSlam 04. He's the sole survivor at Survivor Series 04, but Batista wins the 05 Rumble and wins the belt at the at the yep, 05, yep, at, yep. Uh, the 05 WrestleMania. It, yeah. So it's weird that simultaneous push, the next uh, SummerSlam, the next Survivor Series, Orton's a heel, which is, again, even uh, young Orton, tremendous. Uh, but it's just weird how they kind of did that turn there. Usually you'd only turn one guy. They turn two at the same time. 2005, Team SmackDown against Team Raw. Team SmackDown gets the victory. Team SmackDown was um, Batista, Lashley, JBL, Randy Orton, and Rey Mysterio. Team Raw was Big Show, Carlito, Chris Masters, Kane, and Shawn Michaels. There was no stipulation on the line, and what I remember is that this was a mix of heel and faces here. This yeah. was the first of what we get to this day, which is Raw versus SmackDown, brand supremacy. So you had a weird mix of characters uh, going at it. And again, Randy Orton is made to look very, very strong. I Listen, I like when wrestlers get their own pay-per-view, essentially. Like, Orton's Mr. Survivor Series. He really is. So he's pretty, you know, studly during this, uh, this pay-per-view. Uh, hashtag shrug. Like, I... It, uh, it's I, the, watching Nasser's entrance, remembering Carlito. Uh, was Batista a face or a heel? I don't know. Uh, it Kane, was a face. Again, was the tag Come team on. with Kane. What? They, Batista was like their biggest star. Oh, at Batista's this a point. stud. Batista's a stud. Yeah, you're um, forgetting? I, shrug. Shrug. <laughs> shrug. I, this is nothing for me. You, you didn't like that Shawn Michaels was down three to one, comes back. Looks like he's going to pull off the comeback, and then Randy Orton gets the victory. You didn't like that? No, not really. Okay. Did you like the fact that the show did not close with Randy Orton getting uh, the victory, even though everybody was holding him on his head or holding them on his shoulders? Shoulders. There you go. Their shoulders, But The Undertaker closed the show by hitting a casket with lightning. (laughs) 
it was a very supernatural ending, which was basically The Undertaker has come back to get some revenge on Randy Orton. Sure. Great. You like that? Great. Well, yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't like some good pyro and lightning it inside? It's, I yeah. didn't like this match at all. All right. I, was, I mean, I, you know why? Because I guess I fall victim to it. I just didn't care. I mean, putting a bunch of heels right. and faces together and saying it's Raw versus SmackDown doesn't interest me. And at this point, yeah, I mean, seeing Shawn Michaels and Rey Mysterio in the ring at the same time, that is kind of cool. Like, okay, I'll admit that. that there is something kind of cool about that, but it's not 1988 where it's, that unusual, but it's not. You know? it, it, but it's not interleague play, it, right? You, we did get uh, HBK and Mysterio a lot in the ring together. I wish we got that more. But other than that, like, it, I don't know who's on what show, where, who, what, where. But I, I, I don't know. It's, it was, it was fine. But Randy Orton got another sole survivor victory two yeah. years in a row. There you go, Randy. Survivor Series 2006. Look at this. We're back to a title match. Batista becomes the world heavyweight champion. He defeats King Booker. Batista was way better than I remembered him being. Uh, but again, I loved King. I was all about King Booker. I, I, I thought it was. I loved uh, the, mm-hmm. the him winning King of the Ring. I liked the the fake British accent turning into Harlem <laughs> Heat Booker from time to time. Um, it ran its course. He had the belt for what four months or so. Um, if you're gonna do a, 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 a essentially a a, a, a a squash match, yeah. It's fine for what it was. Uh, nothing more. Well, nothing more. Nothing less. You know what the biggest problem I have with this is they they made it too obvious, and they do this sometimes when they put the whole if Booker T gets counted out or DQ'd, he loses <laughs> the titles. But more importantly, if Batista loses, he gets another. Doesn't get another opportunity. I feel like you're telling everybody, tune in. We're gonna have a new champion instead of just letting it happen organically. I mean. Yeah, Batista was ready to get his title back. I mean, think about it. Dave Batista was a bigger star than John Cena, in my opinion. He was the main guy in the company, and then he got hurt. That's what happened. And then he got hurt. And if he didn't get hurt, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, maybe he would have been bigger than John Cena, remained bigger than John Cena, at least for a few more years. That injury derailed everything. So he comes back from this injury, and you knew, okay, it's inevitable. you got to give him that title back just to kind of pick up where he left off. That was the whole goal of the thing. I just thought the match, I didn't love it specifically because of the ending. Do we need Batista winning because he hits (laughs) Booker T with the belt? Right. Why can't he just beat him, beat him? He's Batista, for crying out loud. you got to save King Booker. Come on. Save him. Save him, my ass. Survivor Series 2007. This is a little bit of a double deucer for us because we did a Hell in a Cell retrospective. Double deucer. Double deucer. We're going to mention this match again because when we did the Hell in a Cell retrospective, we talked about this match. We're going to talk about it again because it was a Hell in a Cell match. Batista defeats The Undertaker to retain the World Heavyweight Championship with a little bit of help from somebody who's not his friend. (laughs) Edge comes in. Uh, Admittedly, this is the one I didn't watch because we already watched it. No, that's Uh, fair. That's why. We already yeah, won. Okay. Um, but yeah, Edge with the concerto on the stairs. Uh, 07 Edge is pretty great. 07 Batista is pretty great. 07 The Undertaker is pretty great. SmackDown was great in 07. It really man. was. It was. Yeah. I mean, nothing else to say. I mean, Batista, if I can, admittedly, if you asked me this a couple years ago, I would not have said this answer. Maybe my top five all five all-time feuds, Batista Undertaker. Oh, dude, you're speaking my language. Batista Undertaker was great. I thought this match was awesome. But there wasn't a real ending. I mean, the real ending was Edge posing as a cameraman, interfering, and then for whatever reason, setting up Batista to win. Right. Which, 
You know what? I got to admit. So I watched this match again, even though we had watched it before. The one difference I looked at this time is I wanted to know why. Because I don't remember SmackDown that much, as good as it was. I don't remember the day-to-days of it. So then I went on the network and started watching SmackDown programming. Because I wanted to find out what the hell is Edge doing. And so I I give you a quick synopsis. Vicky Guerrero says, (laughs) Edge, I'm going to punish you for what you did. Oh, right. And your punishment is that you're going to fight Batista for the world championship. And I was like, what the hell? And then there was no winner or Batista won. I forget what happened. And then the next pay-per-view was a triple threat between Batista, Undertaker, Edge. Eventually, we got Undertaker, Edge at WrestleMania. Um, The match was... You know, when judging a match, I got to tell you the moment, not what the feud turned into, it kind of sucked that we didn't get a real ending to Batista Undertaker and that it was Edge interfering and helping Batista. So, eh. Okay. I give you a blow. That's my answer. All right. Survivor Series 2009. Uh, we're doing. Oh, stop it. <laughs> this Chris Jericho mark doesn't want his moment. Listen, this is a big moment. We're about to get to a Chris Jericho main event. And that is Survivor Series 2008. John Cena becomes the new world heavyweight champion as he defeats Christopher Jericho. Christopher uh, Keith Irvin. Uh, Here's what I'll say about this. The OH Jericho run is about as good as he'll run we'll ever have. It was incredible. The ladder match against Michaels, incredible. Yep. Uh, That whole run, just off the charts. Um, What? the, The John Cena promo video, tremendous. I love that. One of the great, besides WrestleMania 17 that gets all the hype, I want anybody still listening at, you know, an hour and 10 minutes in. That's that's it? (laughs) If you are still listening. Where's my pizza? You need to see the promo video for Cena Jericho Survivor Series 08. The song is great. And then just the drama of Cena coming back to Boston. He's coming home. He's coming back from an injury. This promo was all about John Cena. It's like he didn't have an opponent. He did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Because he didn't. Because this is just another coronation. It's, it's such a pain in the ass because Jericho, again, this is about as good as he's ever. It's so weird to me because my argument is going to be that Jericho is the greatest of all time. That's my take now. And I think, I, can, I think it's a legitimate take to have now. You may not agree with me, but you can at least hear where, where I'm coming from. The argument, the only argument against it, the only argument you can have against Jericho is that he only held the big WWE belt once and that he never main evented anything. That's the only thing you could take away from it. Well, what do you mean he didn't main event anything? He, he main evented WrestleMania. One WrestleMania. Okay. He main evented um, one SummerSlam. Like he was... He main evented here and there. Yeah, but you're not going to argue Jericho is the greatest of all time based on how many titles he's had or how many main events he's had. You're going to argue it based on the way the man reinvented himself for decades. 18 times. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And this is one of those times where Jericho should have had a sustained run with the belt. He never got more than three months with the belt, which, again, is infuriating. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was a a, a secondary thought in this match. He was. And at this point, at this point, and this Jericho... God, it, I, I listen, it, it, it pissed me off. Yeah, it but, really did. You know, Jericho had a great heel run. Heel runs are supposed to end with the face with the face. Not him. here. Not here. Oh, you wanted it, what, a WrestleMania? Yeah, or okay. something that That's mattered right. a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, I think this mattered. This was in Boston. Cena was coming home. He was coming back from an injury. It was a big deal. He was still getting booed. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. He actually was. <laughs> uh, the best part about this match was the promo video. Survivor Series 2009, John Cena defeats Triple H and Shawn Michaels in a triple threat match. 
retains the WWE title. Which was essentially a two-on-one, you thought. Right. But I, I popped so hard when Michaels uh, super-kicked H at the beginning of this match. Yeah, that uh, was cool. That was great. That was awesome. Um, listen, Cena, you know, everyone, you know, five moves of doom, the whole thing. Cena's great. H is great. Michaels is great. This was, this was great. Did you I, like the story. fact that Triple H took the pin? You got to like that. Who are you talking to, brother? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would think, oh, Cena, Cena, oh, Cena must have pinned Shawn Michaels. No, he pinned Triple H. I, I, I thought the ending was kind of cool. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, sweet chin music on Triple H as he's setting Cena up for a pedigree. Then Cena does the AA on Shawn Michaels, but then pins Triple H. I just, I like that. Yeah, no, that was great. Good triple threat match with some big time stars. Uh, any other thoughts? You want to move on? Uh, I'll move on. Okay. Survivor Series 2010. Oh, boy. Randy Orton defends the WWE Championship against Wade Barrett with John Cena as the special guest referee, and John Cena was fired after the match. So the conceit about this is that Cena had to join the Nexus, so uh, he had to essentially give Wade Barrett the belt. But my takeaway from watching this is that I don't know how they screwed up Wade Barrett. I have no idea how they did it. You liked him? Loved him. Yeah. Loved him. In retrospect, at the time, loved him. And he was a star. He was a star. And the, the, the angle was a disaster. That, well, that, that answers your question. Yeah. I was going to answer it, but you did it for yourself. Yeah. That's how they screwed up Wade Barrett. He, he, he looked the part. He was great in the ring. I loved his promo. But God, watching this was such a slog. Because, again, it's Cena doing his Cena Superman thing. And, oh, Here, the- you can never have a match in which the biggest star and the focus of the match is the referee. <laughs> I'm serious. The main event of Survivor Series was all about John Cena being fired or not fired. That was the number one focus. And so why do I care about Randy Orton versus Wade Barrett when it's all about John Cena? And I think the angle was stupid, number one. And think about the way the show ends. The show ends with an emotional farewell to John Cena. It's not about Randy Orton. It's not about Wade Barrett. It's all about John Cena. Just a terrible angle. And it went on for what seemed like 10 minutes at the end of that. It just not- went on way too long. Yeah. Uh, Survivor Series 2011, back at Madison Square Garden. We got a tag team match because The Rock is back. The Rock and John Cena defeats The Miz and R-Truth. I was there for that. And oh, nice. There are three things I remember about that night. One, Zack Ryder was the most over person on the show, <laughs> and he wasn't on the show. When he came out after the Ziggler-Morrison match, the crowd lost their minds. Before the show, after the show, Madison Square Garden was chanting, we want Ryder the entire wow, night. Wow. Another one of those guys that you know, they messed up. Um, Punk wins the belt. Uh, that was that was the beginning of his run. It was the beginning of the 400-plus day run. Yep. I'm trying to think if that was the only WWE title change I've ever seen, uh, but that was cool to see the title sure, change sure. at Madison Square Garden. And the last part, uh, I think The Rock tweeted me at this point, where I was like, uh, Rock, I love the Captain C on your chest. He's like, damn right. Um, <laughs> love it. Um, the, crowd was, the crowd was nuts. Miz, uh, again, this is post-title uh, Miz, R-Truth. It didn't feel like he didn't belong. It felt like he belonged. Mm. They didn't feel as strong as Rock and Cena, but they felt like they belonged in the match. The crowd was nuts. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it was cool looking back and, and to remember that night. It was a really, really cool night. And, uh, yeah, I think they, they did really good to, to hype up wrestling. Well, that's what, that was the whole point. I mean, think about yeah. it. The whole point of this was The Rock to get a warm-up match before WrestleMania and to hype you for WrestleMania. And... You know, they gave you everything you wanted. The Rock got the win. 
He used the people's elbow, and then he rock bottom. John Cena and the show. So they gave you everything you needed. <laughs> um, I get why it's the main event, but I was not excited for this at all. Because to me, I'll be excited about The Rock when he's fighting in the main event, not when it's a tag match against right. The Miz and R-Truth. I get why they did it. I don't have a problem with them doing it. I just remember as a fan not giving a damn about it. And you can't blame me for it. And this was exemplary of Punk's entire run where he's the WWE champion. But he's not main eventing. Nope. It's, it's under the radar. But here he does main event. Survivor Series 2012, CM Punk retains the WWE championship. He defeats John Cena and Ryback in a triple threat match. This is going to be remembered for one thing and yep. one thing only. Go, hit it. Debut of the Shield. Yep. Burn it. Burn it. Burn it. Uh, also, Ryback main eventing a pay-per-view. That's kind of crazy <laughs> to think about. It is kind of cool. Um, yeah. Again, the Shield, they did it right. You know, we talked so much today in the seven and a half hours we've been doing the show <laughs> of how they missed opportunities. Could they have done the Shield any better? I mean, they, it, it's not perfect, but it's a solid B plus A minus. No, they did the Shield great. And you're right that that's the, the memory is this is the debut of three guys. Now Ambrose is obviously Moxley and AEW, but three superstars. I mean, three big time professional wrestlers of this decade. And so for them to debut together and to make the impact in the main event of a championship match, uh, it was well done. You know what I, I, I laughed at? from this match. I don't know if you picked up on this. So CM Punk got the victory over John Cena. Correct. John Cena got, what, what's Ryback's finishing move? The shell shot. The shell shot. And he was just out. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, so Ryback does the shell shock on John Cena. CM Punk went for the cover seven minutes later. Did you, did you count it or no? Uh, I didn't count it okay, officially, okay. but dude, it was significant. It was yeah, it was a couple minutes. That ago. was the weakest John Cena has ever looked in the history of his run with the WWE. <laughs> he never looked weaker than you know the shell shock working so so, so well. well. Well, it's like when Jericho won the uh, the championship scramble against uh, against Kane. So in that match, Batista uh, spine buster Kane got a pin. 30 seconds of, of action happened, then Jericho stole a pin right. off that spine buster to make that happen. <laughs> the point, another point I want to make just real quick, um, there have been only about 50 guys who have ever held the WWE Championship. Mm -hmm. Three of those guys are the Shield. And yeah. they all debuted the same night in the yeah. same faction. Oh, and one that's other a thing, big deal. One other thing, Ryback was, I mean, this was the end of his push, but what a great push he had for a small period of time. Sure. He I was mean, so over. I, again, another one, another one of those guys that they, they very easily like, said, you know what? We're gonna, you know, give you a push instead of teaming you with Curtis Axel. Well, you know, could have gone one way no, or another. You know what killed him? Putting him in this match. Once you lose the invincibility, mm -hmm. and I know he didn't lose, but here he is. He's on a he's on a run. Once he doesn't win the championship with that opportunity, I think his invincibility goes away. Uh, Survivor Series 2013. Oh Randy God. Orton defeats the Big Show to retain the WWE Championship. I'm, what, what do we have to say? I mean, what do you? What do we have to say? The authority storyline was a disaster. This is post uh, Danielson winning the belt at SummerSlam 13. Right. Orton wins, catches yep. in Money of the Bank. And Brian wins again, and then they get it off of him back to Randy Orton because of, uh, what, the official or something? I, I You know, like if you have like a, a Facebook post or like an email or a phone call and you you think back to a time in your life and you're like, oh, man, I don't want this memory at all. That was this. Because it's just like, oh, man, the authority. Just like, oh, it's just like a well, like a kryptonite hue over like everything that's happening. It's not only that. It's also Randy Orton against the Big Show. In 2013. Yeah. And, and if you remember, so Randy Orton retains the championship. And the show ends with John Cena coming out with the world title. He's the world champion at the time. 
And clearly they're telling you we are going to have a title unification match, which they ended up having a month later. So I thought that this was all about setting up Randy Orton, John Cena. That's all it was about. But at the end of the day, the main event was Randy Orton, Big Show. John Cena, if I'm not mistaken, beat um, Alberto Del Rio that night for Mm -hmm. the world title. Yes. And they did unify the titles about a month later. And Randy Orton became the the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. That's a factual statement. 2014. You like the authority? Well, get ready. (laughs) Team John Cena, that would be the Big Show. Now, all of a sudden, he's friends, but wait, is he? Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan, John Cena, and Ryback. Hey, Ryback's back. Against the authority. Kane, Luke Harper, Mark Henry, Rusev, and Seth Rollins. And I think the stipulation was... Yeah, the authority would lose authority (laughs) if they lose the match. But if they win the match, all of Team Cena is going to get fired. That oh, was the cool. stipulation. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah great. Isn't I it? left this pay-per-view hopeful. The authorities, quote-unquote, over. Great. Mm-hmm. Sting shows up. Great. Yeah. And they push Dolph Ziggler for one night to the moon. <laughs> and you leave that, and you're like, you know what? For all this starting and stopping, for all this nonsense, Nikki from the Spirit Squad <laughs> is going to get a major push. And, of course, they dropped the ball with it. But in the moment, yeah, seeing Sting come down with this weird music, they couldn't get the crow music? What was that about? Uh, Sting coming down with the weird music, seeing the Scorpion death drop on H, which he sold like 16 million bucks, which was a lot Triple of Triple H knows how to sell, man. Now say what you want about him. He is a seller. When he wants to sell, man, he can sell. Um, it, it, it did. This did not uh, conclude well for you, is what you're saying. The moment, the moment was great. It was a really good end of this uh, this match, but man, it really didn't go anywhere. Well, you're right about where it went. As far as the match is concerned, it was really, really good. It was really, really good. Um, I didn't like the Big Show with another heel turn. Big Show would punch out John Cena. The one positive is I think the match took an exciting turn when Cena was eliminated. Yeah, because it was unexpected. Yeah, it was unexpected, and it's Team Cena. Right. You know, so when the guy's name... <laughs> <laughs> the guy who the team is named after gets eliminated. There's this uncertainty to it. There were rumors about Sting. Like, there were rumblings sure. about it. But seeing Sting in a WWE ring is surreal. And so that aspect of it was very, very cool. He obviously helped Dolph Ziggler get that final victory over Seth Rollins. But Dolph was getting a big push before that. Um, I thought it was really good. I got to tell you, I thought it was really, really good. You're not wrong about where it went. I'm most pissed off about the fact that Sting didn't beat Triple H at WrestleMania. I get that whole match was a schmoz, but I had a big problem with that. And you're right, the Dolph Ziggler feud, uh, Dolph Ziggler push didn't go anywhere, and the authority basically reappeared. So you're not wrong about a lot of what you said, but I think in the moment it was really well done. And the Sting stuff sucks, though, because not only does he lose to Triple H, then he has another match against Seth Rollins in which he almost kills himself and gets a loss. And so Sting's WWE run was everything he feared it would be. No, but that's not what he feared. What he feared was that it was going to be, you know, uh, attitude era and cursing and crotch chops the whole thing. No, he feared being used incorrectly. He was a 55-year-old man. He lost. He's a 55-year-old man. He can't beat Triple H? He's a 55-year-old man. He can't beat Triple H. I mean, you're arguing with me about this? You of all people? He's a 55-year-old man. All right, Survivor Series 2015. Here's how not to have a one-night championship tournament. Roman Reigns defeats Dean Ambrose, and then Sheamus cashes in to become the new WWE champion. So I, I am both scoffing at you for not liking the tournament aspect, while at the same time, how do you run Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose for the title in a nine-minute match? That's the worst part of it for me. 
What are you scoffing at? That I don't like... Well, then what part are you scoffing at? The fact that I don't like the tournament? Yeah, why don't you like the tournament aspect? Because it wasn't well done. Well, to talk to me about that, because I don't think you're right there on that. There were two matches. Yeah. That's not a tournament. But, there's a tournament ahead of that, though. Oh, come is, on. On Raw? Survivor Series 98 was more matches. The whole tournament was at Survivor Series. This was just a couple of semifinal matches. A couple of thoughts about this. So, WrestleMania... Uh, excuse me. Uh, Survivor Series 98 works because the matches are super short but it was an 18 match card you go back and watch go back and watch all of wrestlemania 4 i'm not citing wrestlemania 4 I, go back and watch i already WrestleMania i 4. get the point but i'm not talking i'm talking about survivor series 98 that was well done i didn't say wrestlemania 4 was well done so you have one that was I never done, argued that you have one that was done well you have one that was not done well well two that wasn't done well and one that was done well all right fair so you're making my point for me god bless you all that to be said all what? that to be said, I I don't mind the four, the semifinals, and the finals. Time to say the thing that bothered me, yeah, is if you're going to run Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose, it can't be a nine minute, two second match. It can't be. I agree. Oh, it pissed me off so much. Well, a lot of things pissed me off. This, okay, they needed to do something similar to 1998. There needed to be a swerve, and I'm sorry, Sheamus cashing in was not the swerve. I know they were put in a tough spot by Seth Rollins' injury, but either Dean Ambrose or Roman Reigns needed to turn heel. That's what needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And the guy to turn heel was Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose needed it more. And so when they're selling you on Triple H trying to convince Roman Reigns, hey, I'm going to make this easy for you, what you have is Dean Ambrose win the title because Triple H comes out and screws Roman Reigns. Roman's like, what happened, buddy? What are you doing? And Dean's like, F you, man. I want to win the title. And then you give us a slow build, WrestleMania, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose. Instead... We got nothing. We got Roman winning an eight-minute match. You're right about the length of the match. And then you had Sheamus catching, cashing in for no reason other than the fact that they mistakenly gave him the stupid briefcase to begin with. And then we got set up for Triple H against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. It was, was just, just all saying. horribly done, and the matches sucked. The matches weren't any good. So this is Reigns' first ever title, ma- uh, title win. If I remember correctly, say that one more time. This is Reigns' first ever title. That is win. correct. His first main uh, title. Does this Big go title. into the Rumble where H wins the title in the Rumble? Yes. Yeah. It, awful. It was supposed to be Seth against Roman Reigns. That was the initial plan. Sure, right. What do you think was going to happen? Do you think Roman was beating Seth? I would think so. I find this discussion more interesting than the pay per view. I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> the other part of it too is I missed the whole other discussion, but the, the, with the money in the bank cash in, yeah. It's an interesting concept, but it, it, it's a forced aspect of it where we don't get that crazy swerve like 98. Because you knew it was coming eventually. Right. So, I mean, so the money in the bank is cool. It does add suspense. It was forced. But it, it also is a, you know, a du- duets with Sheena where it's just like, you know. Hey, one aspect. So, when, <laughs> you'll like this. this. This you'll like. You disagreed with everything else I said, but you like this. Roman wins the title and they drop all the confetti. <laughs> and there is a crap load of confetti. A lot of confetti. I was worried about the bro kick. I'm like, you can get a well, broken I would, leg. When Sheamus comes out to cash in, I wanted the match to be a 10-minute match just so I could see 10 minutes of them wrestling in confetti. <laughs> we didn't get that. but uh, they, You know what? Uh, to give WWE credit, uh, Danielson winning, winning the, the title at, uh, at SummerSlam with the confetti confetti here. Yeah. And my favorite use of confetti was that random episode of Raw where I forget what the conceit was, but Cena's wearing the yellow and like for some reason Cena did something wrong and someone got fired or something, but they, they shoot confetti <laughs> at him to celebrate. Confetti's I mean, always fun. It's just, oh, I love confetti. Survivor Series 2016, Bill Goldberg defeats Brock Lesnar. Goldberg is back and he Goldbergs Lesnar. What do you think? I mean, I, I... What do I think? It was fine. Hmm. I, 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 you know, no, 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 no. I, well, here's what I'll say. Unexpected? 
fun in the moment because I just remember this is the Twitter error. Yeah. And he's just like, the hell just happened? Yeah. Um, so in the moment, I like it. It's something different uh, building up to a bigger match. Uh, what I don't like about it is he took a universal title win away from him at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, yeah, that aspect. Um, what else were they going to do would be my question. You know, when Bill Goldberg was coming back, you know, after all those years of being away, 12 years of being away, and he's going to fight Brock Lesnar, the guy who put together that awful match with Goldberg at WrestleMania, what were they going to do? Right. You know, and, and so considering what they ended up doing and eventually they had a blow off at WrestleMania, that was I thought was a really entertaining match. I thought this was okay. I mean, it wasn't, I can't brag about a seven second match, but there was a shock value to it. It put Goldberg over even more than he already was. It set up Bill for a nice little run. He becomes the Universal Champion. He's in the Royal Rumble. And obviously, he drops it back to Brock Lesnar. So it was stunning. I remember watching it being like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. So I guess that's all there is to say about sure. it. Uh, Survivor Series 2017. Team Raw defeats Team SmackDown. Team Raw would be Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe and Triple H. SmackDown would be Shane McMahon, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Nakamura, and John Cena. Your thoughts? So this is the one, I one of the first times that they counted the Raw versus SmackDown wins. Yeah, the scoreboard. The scoreboard. Um, I'll remember this for, for, for Angle. I'll remember this for H and Strowman. H being like, all right, I'm going to do this. Then he, you know, pedigrees uh, uh, Shane at the end. It's about all I got. His custom, he doesn't. He's too cool to wear a raw shirt or wear a red, but it has to have right. e pluris umum or whatever. Right. Like, um, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It, it's it get opportunities for guys like Finn Balor to be in there. Joe's in the main event of a WWE pay per view, which is crazy to think about. Bobby um, Roode, Bobby Roode, right? Exactly. So, but again, it's just a random mix of guys. H kind of takes over again for no reason. Because you, you think it's here's the thing. You think it's going to lead to Strowman and H at WrestleMania, and it goes nowhere. It led to nothing. It was so weird. You know, going back and watching it, even at the time, because it was only two years ago, it was so freaking weird. I mean, <laughs> what the hell was the point? Nope. So Kurt Angle's trying to get Shane McMahon to tap out. And then Triple H comes out and says, ah, screw this. And he turns on Kurt Angle, puts Shane on Kurt Angle. Now you're thinking, oh, Triple H and Shane are going to become like a group. This is going to be cool. And then Triple H pedigrees Shane McMahon. And then Triple H and Braun Strowman have this awkward exchange and stare at each other for a while. And then Strowman chokes Triple H and threatens his life. And then Triple H (laughs) tries to pedigree Braun Strowman and fails. And none of this goes anywhere. So I was watching it on the edge of my seat thinking, where is this going? We know now the answer to that question was nowhere. That's where it's going. And for that reason, I'm sorry. I try to grade a match based on the match, but the whole thing was stupid at the end. It, it serves zero purpose. Hogan must pose H much pedigree. Stupid. Very stupid. All right. We made it to the end. Thank God. Survive. Where's my pizza? <laughs> I forgot to order it. I apologize. Oh. Survivor Series 2018, it is the Universal Champion versus the WWE Champion in an exhibition match. I don't know what else to call it. Brock Lesnar defeats Daniel Bryan. Um, I enjoyed every second of it. It was weird because Daniel said just turned heel. Yeah. So it was a heel versus heel match. Yeah. Although Daniel said wrestling has a face here. I'm glad he was healthy. I was worried he was going to die the entire time. Uh, but it was a, what, 18-minute match? Which has to be 18, 18 minutes, 50 seconds. It had to be by far the longest 
Lesnar matches. Modern day Brock match. Well, no, no, no. He had some longer matches against Cena and H, and, uh, you know, in 12 when he first oh, came okay, back. Oh, okay, fair. That's true. But the last five years or so. Okay, fair. Um, I, I love that Danielson got the spot. Uh, I love that Lesnar was able, was willing to give to Danielson. So Lesnar, I like when he respects a guy and he'll give, and he gave to Danielson here. So I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, that being said, it served no purpose. There was no need for it. They hot-shotted it because they didn't want to run Brock and AJ again, which the year before went about 15 minutes, which again was another good match. Um, so it was a little hot-shotted, but I liked that they gave Danielson some run here. I like that. Uh, was there sold for him? But, and I like that it ended the way that it did. Match was great. Was I mean, great. on its surface, when you forget about uh, what it meant and how we got there, which is tough to do, it was a really cool match. I mean, Daniel Bryan's the chicken-ass heel. He's running around. Then Brock's destroying him. And then Daniel Bryan gets one low blow that changes everything. And I thought Daniel had a chance to win. I remember watching it. I did an instant reaction to it. I was rooting for him. You know, very rarely at this age do I start, like, watching a match as if it's a, a Nets game or a Mets game or a Jets game where you're rooting. And I was rooting for Daniel Bryan. Um, but what you said is really true. A part of what makes a match great is how we got there. It's the story. There is no story here. I mean, the story was they hot-shotted the belt on Daniel Bryan. For no reason. And again, there also is no purpose because it's Universal Champion versus WWE Champion with no future. The women were different. When Charlotte took on Ronda uh, yeah. and it was supposed to be Becky, it turned into the main event of WrestleMania. Right. Like it went somewhere. Looking back at it, it's perfect. There's nothing here. And so I caution the WWE to stop these Universal versus WWE Championship matches. I think it also hurts whoever loses. Sure. And they just got to stop it. I think the last uh, two, the one in 17, it wasn't the main event, AJ and Brock and Daniel Bryan and Brock, it only works to an extent because it's Brock. And there is something special about Brock Lesnar fighting somebody for the first time. Mm -hmm. But if this was... You know, take two guys, Seth Rollins as WWE champion and AJ Styles as universal champion. I know they're not champions. Yeah. Just, it wouldn't be special. It would just be two guys. And this is one of those moments where Danielson lost, but he didn't look bad. He yeah, looked great. Him. And, you know, when he had him in the, uh, in the submission, you thought, I just remember being there. I think if, if you go back on, on Twitter and you see me be like, I was like, tap, tap. I thought it was going to happen, <laughs> I know, I know. And, and you and that's when we become true marks because you're not expecting something to happen. So when wrestling can can surprise you and pop you in ways that you don't expect, it, it's a lot of fun. And that's what I think we're all holding on to. We're holding on to those moments of the unexpected because we'll never forget those. What was? And we are done, by the way. We've gotten through every single <laughs> main event in Survivor Series history without thinking about it too much. Which one was the best? Ninety eight. Not match, but just storyline, you mean? Because it wasn't the best match. Okay, so the best match? No, no, no. That, that's a fine answer. I mean, okay. I'm just confirming it's not the best match, but Agreed. the best ending, the best story to it. Because if we're judging it based on the way I felt when it ended, it's that. Yeah. Because it was the biggest swerve in my lifetime as a WWE fan. Maybe I was being naive. Uh, as far as a match is concerned, what would it be? Because I agree. Best ending. What's the best match? Um, I'd say Lesnar Danielson. I thought that was really great. you're putting that up. There, I would huh? say Sean Brett ninety two. Sean Brett ninety two. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, what else you got? I would go um, the elimination chamber match. The first one in 02 with Michaels going over. I'm with you there. Um, the very first one again. I I kind of went in fresh. I started from the beginning, then I skipped to the modern era, then I came back to the nineties. 
Again, the first one was fun because it, the whole point of it, going back to the very beginning, I think the whole point of Survivor Series is to get you from SummerSlam to Rumble and get a little more money out of you. So it's just like, you know what? So Hogan will, Hogan will lose and not feel awful. And like, yeah. you can lose, it's not that big of a deal because everyone has to lose a little bit. You lose the traditional moves. Um, it's, it's when it's done right, it's about as good as it gets. Um, just, it's not, that's not the same luster. But let me, let me ask you this. Ask me one thing. So we talk about you know uh, changes to the calendar, the, the big five now. If you had money in the bank, mm-hmm. they got rid of King of the Ring a while ago. Now, would you get rid of Survivor Series? I don't think you can. I don't think you can. It, it's got too much history. It's been around too long. What they have done is they have ruined the Survivor Series. I'll be the first to tell you they've ruined it because Raw versus SmackDown, Universal Title versus WWE Title. It's got to go back to being a pay per view. A big event. I'm sorry. I don't like saying pay-per-view. <laughs> it's got to go back to being a big event and not brand battles because no one cares about brand battles. It just doesn't matter very much. Title matches people care about, feuds, storylines, things like that. But no, I think it is crazy su- to suggest they should ever get rid of Survivor Series. It's a big deal, and it's got way too much history. When they got rid of King of the Ring, it was only around for a little less than a years. decade. Was it 15 years? Yeah, because what? It started in, like, what, 89? 93. No. Yes. The, no, the, 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 the big pay-per-view. event. The The big event. Okay, well, what are we counting? But the, but the King of the Ring was a thing for five years I before just, that. Uh, okay, fine. The King of the Ring event was from 93 to 02. like, oh, yeah, so... Lesnar was the last one, so it was 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Nah, Survivor Series okay. needs to be fixed, but not gotten rid of. Okay, fair enough. Well, thank you. This was fun. It thank was you. long, but it was fun. For anyone just who's still here, dhapshow.com, at dhapshow. Uh, we talk wrestling, we talk... Uh, yeah, that's pretty much... No, how we many, talk other stuff. How many people do you think made it to the end? Uh, I'm going to say more than have ever listened to my pod. No, I'm kidding. No. Uh, I'm going to say... Mm, Six. I'm going to say 65,462. <laughs> I'm going to say you're a little bit off. <laughs> uh, coming up next on the Evan Roberts podcast, and by next, I don't mean right now, but next week. No, I have week. to go get pizza. No, no you're right. gone. All right. Oh. Uh, we will have a New York Mets off-season preview podcast, and it's going to be a roundtable discussion. So you didn't make the cut. I'm oh. sorry. Well, you're the retrospective guy, man. I mean, you've become a niched guy. That's fair. Oh, we'll fair. have more wrestling. I'm going to steal salicata from you then. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We'll have more wrestling retrospectives coming up. But the Mets uh, offseason preview, the Yankees offseason preview, all coming up. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.